And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Thanks again for joining me today. I am sitting down with Michael Dermer, who is the founder and CEO of The Lonely Entrepreneur. He is considered the pioneer of the industry to reward people for being healthy. Um, Very excited to understand his story, what that means, what he's done, what he's doing now. Michael, thanks so much for sitting down. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate you having me. No, it's, it's my pleasure. So, you have a really interesting story, um, and I want, I want you to tell it because I think that's, that's when I look up your name, when I look up your past and the company that you had and the struggles and the issues that you, that you went through building it and scaling it. And then, well, t- tell me, tell me what, what your origin story is and how you got to, to where you are today. Sure. Um, you know, I started my career, as you know, as a corporate lawyer in New York City. I was doing M&A for a large New York law firm uh, after graduating from Northwestern Law School. But I was itching to start a business. You know, but back then in the early 2000s, it's not like today where people threw business plans on your desk all day long. And, and I was just looking for something to start, um, even though I was in a big corporate law firm. And I literally stumbled upon and started what got to be known as the first company in the United States to reward people for being healthy. I was literally out to dinner with some friends and one of my friends' wives was pregnant and she said, hey, do you realize that for every 10 people, 10 women that don't follow their prenatal care, it costs the healthcare system a million dollars. And I was like, wait a minute, why wouldn't you just pay these women to get their prenatal care? And that was it, the beginning of the end. That was the (laughs) idea Um, and worked, you know, at one o'clock in the morning, writing business plans after my M&A job and, and then left and started again, what got to be known as the first company to reward people for being healthy. Um, so went from this very prestigious law firm to a basement, like a lot of us do. And, you know, in, in the early days of that business, you know, not only was that concept new, it was offensive. You know, the healthcare industry said, we are never going to reward people for being healthy. And we're like, wait a minute, every other consumer industry does that. Um, and so for the first five years plus, you know, we battled and scrapped and clawed and bootstrapped. And, um, and then from, you know, 2006 to 2008, we really grew a lot um, after for some very lean early years, venture capital backed at that point. And so by 2008, you know, we had built it up to, you know, a 500 person company um, and we had, you know, quote unquote, made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and basically define this new concept. Um, and as you know, um, literally almost got destroyed overnight by the financial crisis of 2008. All of our clients were what every young entrepreneur dreams of, right? Large corporate America, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, as those companies got decimated, we almost got decimated with them. It was a healthcare technology, you know, SaaS licensed business. And, um, you know, our three biggest customers were Washington Mutual, Countrywide Financial and General Motors, and only one of them still exists today. Um, and nobody called me to tell me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we we spent the better part of three years, you know, working twenty hours a day to basically save this thing. It spent ten years building, and was fortunate enough, you know, on the other end of the financial crisis, there was everybody had this interest in healthcare, and we bounced back and got approached by a bunch of investment bankers and got bought. So it's a Great story in the end, but as you can imagine, an incredibly wild ride uh, made only for big boys and girls. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a, a lot of a lot of stress. Um, it's funny you had the you had the highest highs and the lowest lows yeah. um, as an entrepreneur. You like you had the whole range, right? Um, so thank. And I'm actually on your site. It said uh, you got destroyed in ten days by by the financial crisis of 2008. Nearly destroyed in ten days. 
So I yep. can only imagine um, the toll that took on your on your mental health and well-being. <laughs> That's tough. Well, man. you know, it, it was literally true because, you know, if you remember October 2008 when Bear Stearns went down, it literally unraveled the, the financial markets quickly. And because we had a lot of financial institutions as customers, they literally, you know, Washington Mutual, we probably had a six or seven million dollar, very high profitable software license contract with literally filed for a bankruptcy a week later. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, their whole mortgage-backed securities unwound, stuff like that. But uh, that was not in the brochure, I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> so so what do you do? What, what is the lonely entrepreneur? So you sold your company. Um, yeah. you, you still want to work. What, uh, what are you doing now? Well, you know, after that experience, we right from saving the company to M&A and selling it. And I was literally just chilling out in New York, where I'm from. And, and all I was doing was helping entrepreneurs for fun. You know, just having cups of coffee with friends and friends of friends. Um, and I wasn't really looking to do anything else. I'm only really attracted to bigger things that have an impact on society. So, you know, things like rewarding people for being healthy was very attractive to me. Um, and when I was sitting with somebody, they said being an entrepreneur is really lonely. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And kind of forgot about it. And then I was walking down the street with a friend of mine in Union Square in New York. And, and I told him that, and he's like, what did you just say? And I'm like, lonely entrepreneur. He's like, you realize that's what we all share is the struggle. And I go, yeah, yeah. And he goes, watch this. And we walked into, he dragged me into Starbucks and he yelled, who here is a lonely entrepreneur? And everybody raised their hand. And I was like, okay, I got it. Um, but my goal was there were so many people out there with passion and great ideas um, that literally had so many gaps and there's so much you need to know as an entrepreneur to be successful. Um, and I didn't have a desire to kind of just write a book and stand in front of 20 people and give a lecture. I wanted to try to help people all over the place who were talking about this over dinner or thinking about leaving their job or, you know, dealing with having to become one in, in COVID. Um, and so we started Lonely Entrepreneur. We wrote a book about our journey, um, and then launched what you probably know is, is, a this kind of one-stop shop platform, which was really designed to give a people a lot of the knowledge, tools, and support they need to have a better, better chance of success. So what we call it at Lonely Entrepreneur is turning your passion into success mm-hmm. by, by actually learning a lot of the different things you need to know to be a, a more successful entrepreneur. And what is, and what is that, that, well, first of all, I'm curious, how did you figure it out? Because, you know, you were that lonely entrepreneur. So what resources did you lean on and in and, and, and growing your company the, the first time? Um, what was really interesting, and I had a pretty good background to start. So I had a finance yeah. and M&A background. So the financing stuff and the corporate stuff was pretty easy. The hardest part that you learn along the way is that you, you have to build this organism. You know, at first, your company looks like a solar system with your head in the middle, Right. And then as you grow, you've got to you've got to start to look like an org chart, right? And you have to learn that. And I just remember a lot of people saying, you know, the people that started early stage companies were not the people that should be ones running them longer term, right? Because there were different skill sets. And so I just really embraced the journey of trying to get better at it. No different than, you know, I played college baseball, you know, the number of hours you spend in a batting cage trying to get better at, you know. And I looked at it the same way and I just, I just learned and read and talked to people. And what you realize it was a, a pretty, it was a hard to execute, but it was a pretty standard formula, right? Of, of what does a good company look like? Didn't always get it right by any means. Um, but I just kind of embraced it, made mistakes and just tried to stay very true to, to what I think is the most important thing, which is the, the thing that makes you different, you know, your vision. But then how do you translate that into like an operating organism that actually can make that work? And, you know, what I just described, people have written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books about to try to <laughs> try to solve. Yeah. Yeah. But but, you know, you're not you're not wrong. The tagline is uh, the difference between success and failure is your perspective, um, yeah. which sounds nice. But then there's obviously operationalizing it and, and actually bringing that and, and working with it in your specific uh, you know, industry, niche, environment, vertical, but you're saying that there can be some sort of methodology for an entrepreneur to understand that perspective and then apply it to everything they do as they're growing and learning and, and scaling a business. Yeah, so, 100%. What is you it? Know, yeah, yeah, sorry. Well, well, if you think about it, no, no, you're exactly right. When you think about it is once you kind of put the entrepreneur on your chest and you're this entrepreneur superhero, we all think that the normal operating metrics for businesses don't apply. Right. And, and like, like setting a goal and priorities and, 
and operating metrics and process, like all this really unsexy stuff that is actually what makes a vision come to life in something, right? And and the ability to connect those dots was really the key, especially, you know, during the financial crisis when things are moving all over the place. I mean, you literally need to say, hey, my goal is this, my, my priorities are this, and the strategies I'm going to use. And then I need, you know, basic boring stuff like people and process and metrics to make it happen. But I still think the most important thing, um, and I know your audience is very attuned to kind of sales and marketing. We still think the most important thing was what we say is finding a playground where nobody else is playing. You can do all the stuff that I just said and execute the best way. But if you don't have something that really defines that playground for you, I mean, if you think about my business, um, rewarding people for being healthy, all we did was take the same exact concept that were used being used everywhere in you know credit card programs and airline programs and and retailer uh, loyalty programs and apply them to healthcare. But once we did, you know, we found our playground um, and we started to own it. And then hopefully, if you're smart enough to either by yourself or with your colleagues to put that in, into place with those kind of operating foundations, that's I think the combination for success. I, I appreciate that, and I think that that's, that's a smart way to look at it. Now, as, as people sort of understand more about um, the lonely entrepreneur, because you did, you know, you did create a community for, for entrepreneurs, yep. what type of entrepreneur, what are people looking for when they go and see you? What do you offer them? Um, what's, what's the value add for a lonely entrepreneur, for example, as opposed to, you're in Y Combinator, you know, there's, yep. there's a lot of these types of programs. So I want to differentiate what you do. Yeah. So the product that I mentioned to you, the subscription based product is called the learning community. And what we're really trying to do is guide you every day. You know, there's great programs out there like Y Combinator and, and incubators and accelerators and workspace programs. We just feel like there's so many things that you need to know as an entrepreneur, you can almost define entrepreneurism, not by, the way it's been defined maybe historically, like passion, like you have passion and grit, right? And that's mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, as opposed to an entrepreneur is the amalgamation of a hundred skills, right? And so what we're trying to do with our platform is to say, there's all these skills that you lead, need to learn. You need to be able to manage yourself. You need to be able to do great sales presentations. You need to be able to manage your team. You need to be able like, there's all this stuff that goes into it, not to mention the personal stuff. And so I think that, that there's so many kind of early stage entrepreneurs that have passion, have grit and have a great idea, but haven't had the opportunity or the wherewithal to develop those skills. And as you know, as we were talking about before, everyone's at different stages, right? Someone's in corporate America thinking about leaving. Somebody else has just got an idea and somebody else has got a six person company, right? And they're raising money for the first time. So for us, it's about how do you get to be a better entrepreneur every day? And through this online platform and the support we provide, we're there, we're trying to be their sidekick at every step of their journey where they have online learning, but at the same time they have access to a community and coaching mm -hmm. that guides them at every step of their journey. Um, and, and one thing that you mentioned and, and you, you sort of highlighted on your site and I like it a lot. There's people that are in all walks of life, all stages in their journey, trying to do a thing. Uh, you know, the side hustle is more popular than ever now. And one of the pieces that you actually mentioned was um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurism is not a nice to have. It's a skill that must be unlocked in every company. So yep. speak to me about what that means for somebody who's in a company uh, that doesn't understand how they can associate with the word entrepreneur. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, so there's, there's two kind of lenses of this. One lens is, okay, you're in a company and you're thinking about leaving and doing your own thing. And that applies to some of the things that we've just been talking about. But companies to compete have to think like entrepreneurs. Right. I mean, I mean, Amazon should not exist. Right. Walmart should have created Amazon and Blockbuster should create a Netflix and Sony should have created Spotify. Like these organizations had all the wherewithal to do these other things. And today, if you don't think we call it think like an entrepreneur, if you don't think like an entrepreneur within a larger company, um, you're just going to become kind of the next you know, company that just doesn't stay up with the times. And that's a difficult thing to do, right? Because large companies don't operate that way. They think about quarterly numbers and it's really hard for them to innovate. So we have a program called Think Like an Entrepreneur, which is a training program, which helps large organizations take what you learn from entrepreneurs and employ it within a corporate environment to try to create some of these 
methodologies and thought processes that entrepreneurs have all day long, but just don't regularly get deployed in a, in a corporate environment. Do you feel like, um, do you have advice for people that feel like they're being, um, uh, I guess held down or, or, or just like, just like their ideas are being choked out in, in the organization? Like how do they, how do they actually thrive in a company that is by the quarterly numbers, uh, with all the red tape? I'm curious yep. as to how to do that. So, um, there are people, the people that rise, the men and women that rise to senior levels within organizations are the ones that are able to deliver results, right? There are ones that if you ask them, what do you do with your job? The first thing they're going to do is give you a number, right? I deliver X. I deliver this sales or this expense savings or whatever it may be, this shareholder value. Those people are always interested in innovations that work, right? So if you're stifled and you're in an organization, I mean, and think about it. We were talking about before. We sold the health plans. Health plans did the same thing for 50 years. Um, and the people that you were selling to were the very same people that put in place the things that you were trying to get rid of, right? Yeah. So, and the same thing exists within an organization. What I would say is I would respectfully, whether it's the innovation people or the senior leaders in your group, and say, listen, you know, do your homework, like come up with a business plan, come up with a business case. Don't just walk in somebody who's the executive VP of blah, 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 and say, I have an idea. Do your work and put it in a package, but say this, I believe that this can deliver us revenue, competitive differentiation, significant cost savings. And I'd like to have the opportunity to present it to you. And I can tell you that the people that are in those roles, are certainly you and me, we would always want to have that conversation if it was something that was uh, that was credible, even if you're stifled at different levels of your organization. Yeah, yeah, not a good. Very good point. Very well said. Um, I think that that's something to take note of. Like you don't, even if you feel like the organization doesn't support, or perhaps you don't see the peers, uh, your peers working on things like this, uh, take that initiative. And and I think the the takeaway message, the lesson is to, you know, you'd be surprised at what you can accomplish if you start going out there and like you said, acting like an entrepreneur within a company and pushing these ideas in front of the right people or presenting them in front of the right people, um, it could really take that career to the next level um, within an organization. Yep. I, I, like I, can tell you, I can tell you what I did when I started my company. You know, our clients were health plans and we're an early stage company. I used to literally sit down at eight o'clock at night and leave voicemails for the CEOs of our nation's largest healthcare companies, United Healthcare, Cigna, Aetna, and I got seven out of 10 calls back. And, and that wasn't because of my bubbly personality. I basically said, listen, there's going to be a health plan here in the United States that's going to have a reward program just like Marriott and Citibank. And the one that does is going to win the consumer. And the one that doesn't is going to fall behind. This is what we're doing. Give us a call back. Hey, everyone. Scott here. Just want to press pause on today's episode and thank our sponsor, GetMister. You can find them at GetMister.com. Let me show you why I was so excited when they reached out. So if you're like me, you're getting older, you, your skin, you don't really take care of it as much as you should. Um, you perhaps use moisturizer once in a while. You use sunscreen once in a while. Um, maybe if you're shaving, you're using aftershave. But you're not religious about this. There's too many lotions out there, too many variants. You don't put on sunscreen every time you should. You don't moisturize when you should. Your skin's getting dry. It's, it's aging out. You get a couple burns here and there. It's not good. Well, I was like most people who are just too fed up to look into all the different products out there. I don't have the time for it. I don't have the, the mental real estate to invest. But Get Mister does all of this in one. So it's very similar to as I was excited to find out that shampoo body wash combo when you use that one shampoo body wash combo for your hair your body well get mister is complete skincare so it's an SPF 30 sunscreen filled with minerals and vitamins it's not greasy it's fragrance free it's also a moisturizer to take care of your skin it has anti-aging ingredients in it as well as it's an aftershave so you don't have to put on an extra lotion after you shave in the morning so you're putting on one lotion when you shave, it takes care of your sunscreen for the day, it takes care of your moisturizer for your face, and it takes care of your aftershave to remove any sort of irritation. I had no idea this existed. I was so excited when I tried it for the first time. It doesn't just do three in one, but it does them all well. So if you're listening, I highly recommend you go check it out. Try it if you don't use a ton of creams because there's just too much stuff out there or they're too expensive. This is perfect because it gives you quality skincare without much effort, without 
much thought. For everybody who's listening to this podcast, there's a special code you can use. So right now, if you go to getmister.com and you use the code SUCCESS, you will unlock 25% off your first purchase. That's G-E-T-M-R.com. Getmister.com and use code SUCCESS for 25% off your first purchase. This is an exclusive offer only for listeners for our podcast, and it will end soon. Try it out. Your face will thank you. My face sure did. Now let's get back to our show. Right? So the CEO would no- we'd normally say, oh, you could never get... I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show, and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money, and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins, and I've been there, juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, One data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn Jobs within 24 hours? That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn Jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. 
Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. To the CEO, if you go to somebody and say, this is how you really win or this is how you really lose, right? They will break all the rules for you. Obviously, you have to be concise and on point and really talk to something that really makes a difference. But the people that arise to senior levels rise to senior levels because they, they cut through things and ultimately deliver some kind of financial performance. Mm-hmm. Um, one point that I wanted to highlight, because you list off uh, a whole bunch of problems with mentors that align themselves with entrepreneurs, um, yeah. people that oversell themselves, people that are only looking for winners, uh, so on and so on, and it keeps going and going. So as an entrepreneur, it's scary out there to align with someone. Yeah. How do you look for the right person? Um, there are a lot of mentors that are doing all the right things, but then there's also a bunch of mentors, mentors that are trying to sell you things, trying to bring in their own financial partners, trying to bring in their own you know, marketing partners and things like that. Here's what I would say. A lot of times um, mentors that maybe don't always have your best interest at heart, like I said, there's many that do. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times they, they prey on the risk that entrepreneurs are feeling. Um, when you're talking to somebody and you have a mentor and somebody you really like and you're connecting with, Go ask a colleague of yours, not somebody that has the last same last name in you or somebody you're dating or your brother, just somebody whose business judgment you respect and say to them, hey, listen, I'm, I'm thinking about getting involved in this mentor. Can you talk to them for a half hour, an hour? Because, you know, they're a completely ob- uh, objective view, yeah. right? And they will come in and say, well, I think this person's a little to this, a little to that. And that can really help you, especially, you know, you talk about the book and this, this whole idea of perspective. We all know this. When we're in the middle of it, we have a really tough time seeing things, what other yeah. people can see really clearly. That also works a lot when you're hiring employees, right? When you're working 24 hours a day, the person in front of you, you might just hire them just because they can speak, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're so busy. If you go to like, if I went to you and said, hey, listen, could you interview this person for me? Um, you would give me a, a, a reasoned, thoughtful, you know, objective view. And I'd be able to make the, the right type of decision just like I would with a, with a mentor. Yeah, good advice. That's very good advice. I've never heard it framed like that. I've never heard that suggestion before, but I, I really like that a lot. Um, especially when you're, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're right. You're, you're just overtired, absolutely exhausted. None right. of the decisions you're making are probably the right ones. So, so yeah. you know, you're trying to look for all these little tricks and tips to, to make it easier on yourself. I like that a lot. And that's um, what we said before about like it being a series of skills. 
Yeah. Right. It's it's not. It's, yes, the big things matter, but it's also you know how you hire the wrong partner, you get person, you get the wrong mentor. You know, you're already kind of you know behind the eight ball a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other, the last thing, uh, not to inundate with lessons from the book, but I thought there was a, a few really, really good ones. Um, and then I wanted to ask just some, like some personal, uh, insights from your career, but, um, the four P's you mentioned that perspective can be influenced by pressure, passion, pleasure, pain, yep. or a flawed, per, per, flawed perspective. Yep. Can you speak a little bit more on that and, and extrapolate just what that means exactly and how to sort of watch for that as an entrepreneur? I think we sort of touched on it a little bit, but just to make it clear and succinct. Yeah, it was really interesting when you take a step back after I sold my company and you're like, what is that? What do we all really go through? Like when we were writing the book, we were saying, what do we really go through? And, and this whole idea of the four P's came out. We started saying, well, you, you have passion, right? And you're like, well, I'm going to make meatballs, right? And somebody will go, well, the world has plenty of meatballs. And you'll be like, well, not my meatballs, right? So we, we all have that kind of, but then you also have, you know, pressure, right? There's a lot on you, sometimes financial pressure, sometimes you leave a job. You know, you have the pleasure of, you know, the first time you, you, you print your business card, you get your first customer, it's like your first kiss, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then the pain, you know, when the first time an investor tells you that they don't like your business, it's like somebody's calling your baby ugly. And, and we're really invested. And when you're, we're always under the influence of these four Ps that make us do the wrong thing. When we're under pressure, right, we hire the wrong person, right? When we're, feeling our passion about our meatballs, sometimes we're not listening to the feedback of the market saying, hey, it doesn't work this way, but it might work that way. So um, we just always have to be really cognizant of the fact that we're kind of under the influence of these things so we can employ some of the techniques we were talking about before. Smart, smart. Um, I wanted to to ask a couple like life lesson, uh, professional lesson questions just from your past. But before I move off the topic of lonely entrepreneur, what you're working on now, was there anything that I didn't ask that I should have about what you're working on? Um, no, I think, you know, all this stuff is available only on entrepreneur.com. The only thing that we're doing, which we're super excited about, is we're launching a black entrepreneur initiative where um, we're taking our platform and with the help of uh, corporate and philanthropic and government sponsors throughout the country to try to have, you know, our little place in the world on, on the social and economic justice issues trying to empower 100,000 black entrepreneurs across the country. So super excited about, you know, obviously the institutional issues are wide and deep. Um, mm-hmm. And while those are getting fixed, you know, we think what better way to try to have an impact than to put the tools in the hands of black entrepreneurs. So that's, that's all. Is that, is that launch? Is there like a place that people can go and check that out? Or is that still in the works? Uh, next week. Launching okay, cool. next week. Yeah. Okay, so by the time this comes out, it's going to be about two weeks from now when this comes out. Um, it'll, be, it'll be live. So I guess still same domain, uh, yep. lonelyentrepreneur.com, okay? Yeah. Very good. Okay, so now just a few life insight questions that I, I like to ask, um, given your past and experience. What was the biggest challenge in your mind of being an entrepreneur, and how did you overcome it? Um, I would say that when when everything was kind of crumbling in 2008, um, you know, up until that point, it was hard, but we very much believed in our vision. Um, I would say the, the balance of ego and humility, you know, I was a, a guy, I was a college athlete and I'm an a lawyer, you know, you're so hard charging about your vision and what you want to do. And what you realize is great leaders combine that humility, that ego, if you will. Now, listen, and we were telling the healthcare industry that, you had to do things you would never do. I mean, that takes ego, right? You're gonna tell United yeah. Healthcare, they've never, they're gonna do something that they said they would never do. Um, and sometimes, and I would say I was included in this, the humility that has to go with that because you have to learn, like you have to get better at being an entrepreneur. You know, I remember saying to my board one time, you know, there's not one book about being a CEO. Like if there was one book, you just go on Amazon and say, give me the CEO book and you'd follow it. So mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I really learned is you have to be able to have this very delicate balance between your ego to push forward and your humility to understand that you've actually got to get a group of people to follow you. Right. And that's when you do that, then you kind of got the great, the great combination of the passion along with the execution that goes with it. It's one of the lessons that I think I, I probably learned the hard way. 
Well, yeah, but still, it's the the fact that you did learn it, right? That's what that that's the that's the takeaway. That's the the hardest part, right? You know, it. it I think every entrepreneur is going to struggle with per- personal and identity issues and and ego issues and and self awareness issues. But it's like the success. The key is to overcome those eventually. That's really that's what will take you to the point where you can have. Uh, I think you said a five hundred person company that can eventually exit, right? Because I don't think you can ever get to that point without overcoming those types of issues. You know, and if you, if you, um, if you ask a mother, right, the day after she had her first child, were you great at this mom thing, mm-hmm. right? Most moms that would be honest with you would say, no, I'm just trying to make sure that I don't kill this little person <laughs> the next day, right? And, and they embrace the journey because this is their child of doing whatever they can, however they can to make it happen. And that ends up being a series of skills right? That they get better at, that they're committed to. And I wish kind of somebody had said that to me when I was 20, right? That you're just going to get, you got to get better at all these different skills to have a better chance of success. And some of these are these perspectives, like we're talking about that are not, you know, just income statements and balance sheets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the, the biggest area related to entrepreneurship um, or startups that you're curious about, you're investigating um, and that you're interested in right now? Um, I think more so than anything is how do we move the needle on some of our less fortunate parts of society that were either less fortunate before or now have been forced because of COVID mm-hmm. to turn to entrepreneurism or, or as we would say, they're entrepreneurs either by choice or necessity. Mm-hmm. So the, there are so many more people, right, that are going to have to do their own thing. So what I'm really um, trying to have the biggest impact on is, don't get me wrong, I was a Wall Street, you know, M&A guy, and that's all sexy, and that's what gets people's name in the paper. But I had all this education, like we talked about before. What happens when you're the, you know, the kid that, that graduates high school in Queensbridge, New York, right, who's going to have to do their own thing, yeah. right? And, and the educational system is not necessarily empowering them. How do we teach them skills? They may not create the next Facebook, but they sure as hell could go and create a little graphic design business, yeah. right? And make, so that to me is the, the part of entrepreneurism that I'm most interested in is how can we empower the people before that, that face challenges, but now that has become whatever it is, 10, 20, 30% of the population now that has to figure out a way to create a better life for themselves and can't rely on you know, what's going to happen in the next five years. I like that a lot. Do you have any suggestions? That's a tough. Uh, that's a tough one to figure out because it's 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 a huge amount of people now that are suffering from um, uh, from unemployment. Yeah, I think I think the foundation of it is really you know as I said before, finding that playground. That playground doesn't have to be big, mm-hmm. right? It could be really small. Like if you if you want to create a pizza store in your local neighborhood, you can get a really good pizza store in your local neighborhood, right? It's those things on a smaller level are very doable, but you have to really find your playground that makes you different, right? Not mm-hmm. just something that everybody else is doing. If you think about, take a yoga studio, right? Every single yoga studio is now online, right? In fact, if you got dropped here from Saturn and you started a yoga studio, you wouldn't even think you could have a physical yoga studio. You'd yeah. be like, oh, of course it's all online. We've got to be able to compete against that and compete against that when everybody's charging less and less just to get customers. So finding that unique niche, like I said before, rewarding people for being healthy was not that different. It was right next to these reward programs that were run by really, really big companies. So taking the time to really find your special sauce where you have special know-how, you know, when you go running by your apartment or your home and you know, when you turn right, there's a pothole right there, right? You possess, every one of us possesses some kind of know-how that can be turned into a business that is actually unique. And to me, you know, we call it finding this playground, but that to me is the most important thing because then you can turn that into a business. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't find that, then you're obviously competing with a lot of people with oftentimes more money and resources and and with a lot of of people doing the same thing these days. Good. Um, how do you continue to learn and grow? What are your resources or your go-to sources? Um, the one thing that I think the lonely entrepreneur knows is we know what an organization is supposed to look like. 
What's great for us is we interact with so many entrepreneurs of every way, shape, or form, stage, industry, gender, ethnicity, and we just learn so much from the language we hear about, we hear from them. And probably the biggest learning that we have is a lot of times the question that they're asking is not really the answer they need, Mm. right? So somebody says, you know, what kind of legal entity should I form or when should I launch my website? And I think the biggest learning for us is, I mean, think about it. It's almost like if a retailer could be in the minds of every single one of their customers and, and hear exactly what was going on, we get that type of learning from the people that we're interacting every day. So for us, the learning is how do we, how do we make the journey simpler, mm-hmm. right? And take these really complex things and turn them into really simple steps. Here's the five things you got to start with. Here's how to do number one, even if you don't know how to do it. Um, that, you know, really, you know, they say great leaders are great simplifiers and, and mm-hmm. that's what we're really focused on. How do we make it easy for people that maybe don't always have the foundational skills. And that's, that's the learning that we're you're really embracing. Do you have, do you have personal resources that you, that you rely on that you like, uh, like books, podcasts, audibles that you think people should go check out that are great entrepreneurial resources that are more um, um, tactical than. Um, to me, I, I love, there's a book called the art of war. Um, okay. and obviously it's a big, 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 long book. Uh, but, some of the tactics in there are, uh, you know, about, you know, how do you win when you're disadvantaged, which is a, obviously like a gross under oversimplification of that. Yes, <laughs> um, the, the message rings true. I get it. I get it. Right. If you're, <laughs> if your opponent is fast, don't try to outrun them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that type of stuff. Um, uh, that's the, that is the stuff that I, I really, um, you know, embrace more than anything. I don't think that, um, I think that with respect to other resources, I mean, we're always, and I'm always exposing myself to different things, but I'm trying to take it and put it into kind of a method. Cause Mm -hmm. how many times do do we all interact with these things and we take a piece from here and piece from here and piece from here. It doesn't all fit together nicely. Or we just don't Um, take any pieces and then it's just a waste of time. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and so I'm trying to, um, in everything that I listen to, I try to take the snippets and fit it into a framework. Um, but I love there's the art of war. I mean, it's a long book, but they have little, uh, reader's digest versions. That are probably worth <laughs> That's a heavy book for a, for a light, uh, light entrepreneurial read. But like, I appreciate that. Uh, listen, I love, I love some history lessons too. I think that, I think that you can always find some, uh, some insight if you, if you read history, cause I don't think anything has, I think, I don't think anything we're trying to solve for now hasn't already been solved for in the past. So. That's and my, there's, that's a, there's, a, there's a baby version too. There's like a hundred person, <laughs> hundred page little short version too, that I encourage you to pick up. Um, <laughs> I know that's good. That's good. Um, you mentioned this before and let me know if it still rings true, but the, the lesson you tell your younger self, you mentioned one lesson you tell your younger self. Is that the, the lesson you would tell your younger self? Um, that's a great question. Um, I would just, I would just say go slower. I think that after I sold my company, like about a week later, after the kind of air came out of the balloon, if you will, I really felt like I hadn't used my brain for 10 years, mm. right? Um, and we have this thing in the, in the Lone Launcher book about being a, a deliberate, thoughtful, and unemotional leader. And I was trying to think back about, you know, how many days was I actually that? Um, and going, you know, going slower, and, and the things that you pick, right, you do well and you do with intensity. Um, but a lot of times in your early days with all the passion and energy you have about your baby, um, you just don't stick to certain things, do them, do them well. You can do them with intensity. That's fine. Um, but if you decided you're going to sell 10 bananas because that's a strategy, then go sell the hell out of 10 bananas, but don't go oranges, bananas, and apples and and all that. So I think just go, going slower would have been, you know, probably the biggest piece of advice. Um, and uh, the last question before I get some, some socials and, and websites from you, what does success mean for you? That to me was really easy because it was never about money for me. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a nice family. My family owns real estate. And for me, um, when I was looking for a business, if, if, if we said we could 
you know, take the jacket you're wearing and, and we could guaranteed make a billion dollars. I wouldn't have any interest in doing it. Um, to me, um, it had to have an impact on society um, and it had to be new and different, right? And I felt incredibly fortunate to stumble upon that with rewarding people for being healthy. And I frankly wasn't looking to do something else yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when somebody said the lonely entrepreneur to be able to, to, you know, say to anybody, lonely entrepreneur, and you're tapping into that same thing, something that actually can help society because it's helped people, you know, have a better chance of being fulfilled. That to me is success. Success is just when you hear about an entrepreneur that said, I closed the sale, I raised money, I hired this great employee. And, and, you know, the next day they get to wake up before the alarm rings, not because they're worried, but because they're excited. Mm -hmm. Um, That to me is, is what success is. And there's money that goes with that and all that fun stuff, but that's what it's all about for us. I like that a lot. Um, And most important question, where can people get the book, go check out the website, your socials, all of that. First of all, thank you so much for such a thoughtful conversation. I really appreciate it. Um, no, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. You, you know your stuff, and, and there's a lot of value here. So thank you for good, really good answers. Um, thank you. Um, lonelyentrepreneur.com is our website. Um, uh, there's also all the social stuff, which is uh, you'll find Lonely Entrepreneur on Instagram. The Lonely E is Twitter. Uh, Lonely Entrepreneur uh, on Facebook. And the book can be found both on our website and on uh, Amazon, all called The Lonely Entrepreneur. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a quality qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. 
I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 